Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction. And now, the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 41 shots for the Edmonton Oilers, just one goal. The Carolina Hurricanes beat the Oilers 3-1 tonight in their last two games. The Oilers with 80 shots on net. They've scored just twice. And no one not named Leon Dreisaitl has been able to score in these past two games. Another tough one for the Oilers. They are now 6-16-2 in their last 24 games. It's 8-33. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Oilers Hockey presented by Osmond Auction. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Well, Rob, this is a, a tough... I mean, we're going back almost two months of this being a really tough stretch for the Oilers. We've seen a lot of games where they have been shoddy defensively, where they haven't forechecked where they haven't played with a lot of energy, where they haven't played with a lot of passion, where they haven't looked after a lot of details. Well, everything we've been saying the Oilers did, the, the, everything we've been saying the Oilers need to do, they did tonight. Mm-hmm. Minus one not-so-little thing. They didn't score. And, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be a disappointing room right now. The Oilers, the last two games, have played very, very well on the road against teams fighting for playoff spots in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they did the, all the little things. They're, they they wanted to have better offensive zone time. They got it. They wanted to have better goaltending. Well, you know, five goals against in two games. They were averaging about four or five goals against per game. So they're better defensively. But it just seems right now that when they give up a great scoring chance, it gets into the back of their net. And when they get their opportunities, unless it's on Leon Stick or Connors, the puck's not going in. The, the Oilers, I don't. I mean, we don't keep track. You and I have grade A scoring chances, but they certainly had the lion's share tonight. A number of good chances by everyone up and down the lineup. Raddy had good chances. Chase on. Uh, Cave. Uh, you know, Nugent Hopkins. Uh, it, the puck just wasn't going in. And McElhaney, give him credit. He was outstanding. And again, one of the things that we talked about, and Koskinen was fine tonight. He had no chance on any of the three goals. But the goaltender on the other end was better. And the goaltender on the other end stole a game and that's something that the Oilers desperately need because they are not putting the puck in the net they're going to have to win a low scoring game and for them to do that their goalie's going to have to win one yeah and it didn't look like a low scoring game if you miss the beginning of this game well you miss three quarter of the uh, three quarters of the goals Nita Ryder scored 37 seconds into the game Drysettle came back at a minute 32 Walmart scored at 216 and then nothing until there was 337 left when Nita Ryder scored again here's something crazy in the last Four games between these two teams. Carolina has scored their opening goal of the game at 20 seconds, at 4 minutes and 20 seconds, at 28 seconds, and at 37 seconds. Well, they're getting off to good starts. They're getting off to good starts against Edmonton. The Oilers did win the game in Carolina last year. But, man, watching this tonight, Rob, and, uh, you know, like we said off the top, the Oilers doing almost everything that we've been wanting them to do. 
I go back to to one of the old sayings. It doesn't just apply to hockey, but most sports. Good teams win when they don't have their A game. Poor teams can bring their A game and still lose. And and I feel that's what's happened to the Edmonton Oilers the last two games. They finally took care of a lot of details, but just aren't good enough to get over the hump. Well, the the problem for the Oilers is they've got three offensive weapons, and that's it. As Alex Chason, he's dried up as of late. Two of those are playing on the same line, McDavid and Drysaddle, and they continue to score at, at a pretty good pace. They get the goal tonight. Then after that, the, the rest of the line, they played well. They're just handcuffed because there's no scoring depth. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I mean, there's only so much he can do. He's got nobody to play with. They can put the puck in the back of the net or create an offensive chance for him. He's having to do it by himself. So it, it's tough for the Oilers. Like, they can work as hard as they can. But at the end of the night, the other team's got more skill and they're going to win the hockey game. Uh, Carolina bled grade-A scoring chances that time. They, the Oilers in the first period had three two-on-ones and a breakaway yep. and came out of the first period down and with only one goal uh, to show for it. So it's... the the And you brought it up in the preseason. You said the number one issue with the Edmonton Oilers that you saw going forward is they have no scoring depth on their wings. And that comment has come back to haunt the Edmonton Oilers because as hard as they work, at the end of the night when those second and third and fourth line wingers and and centermen down in the third and fourth line have scoring chances, they don't have the the confidence or, or the skill level to be able to score on a consistent basis, and actually not even a consistent basis, on a uh, monthly well, basis. they have a bunch of forwards with five goals or less, and we're over two-thirds of the way through the season. Yeah. And I know some guys haven't played with Edmonton all season long, but yeah, I mean, and it, it, that to, I, mean, I think structurally the Oilers kind of have two fourth lines, mm-hmm. the way they're the way the roster is constructed. And and tonight, you know, we've had a lot of games where where you're sitting there thinking, okay, what were they doing? Like they're not even in the right position. Well, tonight, I mean, Colby Cave, Colby Cave, probably in a lot of organizations is in the AHL. Yes, he had a good game tonight. Very good. Toby Reader uh, hasn't been able to score. I know he doesn't play a lot. I, I thought he had a couple good moments. Jujar uh, Carroll was very good. Tonight. Yeah, I mean, there's not. I don't know if there's anybody in the Oilers I can look at tonight and say they weren't doing what they were supposed to do. But what does it come down to? Well, Kobe Cave had a couple of shots from the slot. Mm-hmm. He's not going to finish. He's, no. he's not a finisher. I mean, credit to that line for creating the chances yeah, because I, I thought all all four lines had pretty good shifts and had mm-hmm. times when they forechecked. But either you know the 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 bottom lines forecheck but never get the puck to the net, or when they do get a good chance, it's on the stick of a guy that, you know, realistically isn't isn't going to bury a lot of chances. Well, it, just look at the, the sequence that put the game out of reach. And I know that Zach Gassian made a really nice play early in the game to Leon Dreisett on the 2-on-1 to set him up. But there is a 2-on-1, possibly a, more or less a 3-on-1 near the end of the game. Oilers down one. Cassian has the puck on his stick. It's on his backhand. The defenseman came over, made a good play, making sure that Cassian had to pass on his backhand. And Cassian, all he had to do was put it in an area. He had both Dreisaitl and McDavid. One of them would have picked it up and had a breakaway. He's unable to get the puck through the defenseman. Ten seconds later, Sebastian Ajo has the exact same situation going against Edmonton. It's a two-on-one with back checkers. He's got the the puck on his backhand, yet he's got the skill level to get the puck through to Niederreiter. And then Niederreiter just makes an absolutely beautiful play. This is something that the Minnesota Wild are probably desperate for right now. I can't believe they made the trade that they made. Niederreiter's been all-world since he's come to Carolina, but a tale of two, 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 two games right there where the Oilers player that has the, the, the game on his stick is a 
I mean, Zach Cassian's a fourth liner. And the player going back the other way, Sebastian Ajo, one of the best players in the National Hockey League. Who's going to make the play? Obviously, Ajo did, and that was the end of the hockey game. So 3-1, Carolina wins it. We'll get to your phone calls at 780-496-0063 in a couple of minutes. You can also text 630-630. I'm also curious what people think of the Carolina celebration. I know it's been going on all season, but here's an Oilers game in Carolina that Carolina wins, so you can chime in on that as well. Let's go back to Carolina, and here's Milan Lucic. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, two really good efforts to, you know, 80 shots in the last two games and some really good looks. Uh, just weren't able to to get one past them, you know, hit, hitting the goalies the last two games. And, you know, it's, it's frustrating at this time of year, especially, you know, you're working so hard to, to get yourself back into things and you can't seem to, you know, even find a hole on the goaltenders. So, um Bring the same effort next game, and 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 um, you know you give yourself a chance to win. Crazy start, and then there's no goals for yeah for 50 minutes, five minutes. Yeah, exactly. And uh, like I said, you know we had a push, and you know we we had, we gave ourselves a chance to to get back in it, and um, just weren't able to, to to put one past them. This is also a team that doesn't give up a lot of shots on goal, and you guys pounded them for 40. That doesn't make you feel any better, but it's more evidence of just how hard you played, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, they're usually the team out shooting teams by 10, 15 shots, and you know, I, I just goes to show that you know we were a desperate hockey club today, but you know, don't get the result, and that's that's the that's the unfortunate part. All right, that's Milan Lucic as the Oilers lose 3-1 to the Carolina Hurricanes. Whenever the Oilers get to five in a game, we turn on the goal light on 630shed.com. That's courtesy Japanese Village. Steak and seafood cooked right at your table. Edmonton South, downtown, north side, and Sherwood Park. That allows you to print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village. But the Oilers have to get to five in a game, only one. The last two games, 3-1 losses in Pittsburgh and then tonight in Carolina. Well, this should be good. We're kicking it off with Scott from Boston tonight. Hey, Scott. <laughs> what? Let me take you off speaker, gentlemen. Hello? Go ahead, buddy. All right. I'm sorry for that there. How you doing? Good to talk to you again. Yes, you too. Now, now again, cut me off 10 seconds ahead so I can try to stump Rob with a trivia question. Okay. I'm going to run through. You ready? Because I'm annoyed. I'm telling you. Again, if you, if, if, you, if you have a soft skin and you're an oil fan, change the channel. I don't want to hear Edmonton could have won tonight. They didn't. And that's consistent with the, uh, a losing culture. It, it, if you're losing, you're going to lose. If you're winning, you find ways to win. Ready for this one? This is going to blow up your airways. If I was McDavid, I'd start to be asking to be traded. Because it appears to me the owners don't care. It's almost like the owners are just taking advantage of their fans' loyalty and the fan base, and they know the place is going to be packed every night anyway because they love hockey. I'm shocked Hitchcock is still coach, and I'm still waiting to call up a tough guy from Bakersfield. We're still waiting on a fight since December 12th, correct? Yes. I'm disgusted with that. Disgusted. The team still has no fight. It has no 
Like that gentleman last time I called said he was an elderly gentleman. They've got no fire. They've. Are we just going to accept this and be a losing team every year? Like, oh, yeah, we'll get a draft pick. All right, we missed it. You're slowly becoming a losing culture team. It's almost like, oh, the Oilers are playing. They're probably going to lose. Now, not to make an off-sport analogy, but here, you know, we've talked to Patriots before. We have a winning culture. We're like, oh, the Bruins do even. We expect them to win every night. It's, I'm getting that sick feeling that I expect the Oilers to lose when they play, and that's not cool. All if right, trivia David, time, Scott. Uh, all right, trivia, 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 trivia. I hope you heard me loud and clear there. Am I on the air? Yes. Rob, you with me, kid? I am here, man. This might be wicked easy for you, but... Uh, eh, nothing nothing in my life is wicked easy. All right, yeah, I'm ready for yeah. you. Join the club, Rob. <laughs> I hope you heard my points there. Cause, I heard mm. the points, absolutely. All right, all right. Gretzky, we all know Yari Curry was his uh, right winger, I believe. Yep. I should know that. Mm-hmm. Right winger, correct? Yep. His left winger. Obvious, some people uh, forget. Now, uh, now, he probably had a few over the years. He was very tough when he had a nickname. Who was, what was his name or what was his nickname? Well, are you talking, well, it's either Dave Simeco. Are you talking about him? Or are you talking about Esatikinen? He has a nickname, too. Or well, Mike Kershelniski. Um, well, Nick, he had a popular nickname. Sammy? No, no, no. You, you, right, tick? So tick? You, I mean, Simenko. Simenko. What was his nickname? Well, all, his, all the guys here called him Sammy. Cemented. No, no one in Edmonton called him that, and I can tell you for sure nobody ever said it to his face. Right. Thanks, <laughs> no, Scott. That was how I always knew Dave Cemented. He was a tough guy. He was. He, oh, he was very tough. And I've I've met him a number of times. One of the nicest people you ever would have met in your life. Yeah, lost yeah. him too soon. Thanks, Scott. Scott in Boston calling in as uh, the Oilers lose three one to the Carolina Hurricanes, and uh, they will play again tomorrow against the New York Islanders. We'll have that one for you with the face-off show at 3.30, and the game will start at 5. Okay, we have Dominic on line two. Go ahead, Dominic. Hey, guys. You guys already answered my questions about kind of the Oilers scoring woes. I just have one more quick question. Do you guys think that the Carolina celebration is disrespectful to opposing teams in any way? No, I don't think so. The players are off the ice by the time they do it. Um, I mean, if you don't want them to celebrate, beat them. I think I honestly it, it wouldn't have affected me if I played and another team did that. They they wait they they're they don't do it when the team's out there. There's enough respect that way. To me I think it's fun. Uh, honestly I do. I I wait when when they play I wait to see what it what they do afterwards. I've gone on uh the different sports channels and to see which they've done whenever they win a hockey game. Uh it is a different as Bob and Jack talked about, it's a different hockey market than up here. They need reasons for play, for for fans to be excited. And it certainly excites the fans. And to me, there's another reason to win. Let's win tonight so we can do our silly celebration. So I have no problem with it at all. And I'm le- and, and to me also, you're going for a certain fan base. My son was the one that told me about it first. He's about to turn 18. He gets excited about it. So I think that's what you're trying to do is get people excited about the game of hockey. I don't think there are many markets in the NHL in which it would work and or be accepted. Um, I don't know about that. I, I disagree. I think I think if they did in Edmonton, I think the Edmonton fans would be would love that. Really? Uh, absolutely. If, if Connor McDavid's out there leading them in a chant after the game, you don't think the fans would be on their feet going crazy? Absolutely. I, I don't know if would. a Canadian. I don't know if a Canadian team players on a Canadian team would ever think about doing it. Well, I mean, the only one team thought about it, they can think about it now. I no, no one ever thought players would come out and raise their sticks afterwards in the middle of the ice. I'd rather them do something fun then come around and stick their sticks up in there. I think I, I have no problem with it in Edmonton. I think that if Connor McDavid started at the end of a game some sort of thing like that, the fans would be on their feet going crazy. That's just my personal opinion. I'd love to see him do it. 
I'll, next time you see Connor, mention it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Connor. I'm sure that's what he wants to talk about. <laughs> Mike from Ottawa on line three. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, Robin Reed. How you guys doing? Pretty good. I usually try and be positive, guys. You know, I really try. I'm usually, if you ask my friends, kind of personality I have, I'm usually a positive guy, friendly guy, try and look on the bright side of life. I feel like it's Monty Python, um, GIF right now, or GIF, whatever you want to call them, where the guys are nailed up on the cross and they have the, the, the meme thing, oh, look on the bright side of life. <laughs> that, is, that is one of my favorite shows. I you love that I mean? show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, like, the Oilers have not won a ga- more than one game, one game in the most crucial time. I know every game counts, like two points starting of the season, same as now, but come on, we're in February. We're, in a, we're supposed to be a playoff run. We've won one game in a month. In a month, check it out. In the, I know there was the All Star break, but we had one game in a month. I mean, like we played well today, we played well yesterday, but I want to look at a bigger thing here. It's obvious we're not going to make the playoffs. It's a miracle run of epic proportions if we do at this point. So, looking forward, we need hope as fans. We need to get hope. We need to have something to look forward to. And I'm having a hard time trying to. Do we look forward to Jack Hughes? Do we look? What, what do we look forward to? And so, looking at, at the firing of Peter Shirelli. When they fired him, and they asked, I think they asked Bob Nicholson, I don't remember who it was, but they said the Koskinen signing, uh, was it just Shirelli? Was it his last little move before he left? And Bob clearly said it wasn't. He said it was a group decision. He said they met in Palm Springs at these meetings, and then they came up with the decision to sign Koskinen. Now, I don't hate Koskinen, and between him and Talbot, I really don't know who's going to be better in the next five years. But, But where is the logic on having to sign him then? Like, who was knocking down the there, door? Look, look Mike, I've, I've talked about that. You're that absolutely makes more, right. makes more so, sense so, so, to but, wait. I'm just, but I've just said, if you give me 30 more seconds, I'm getting to a bigger point. Is, is we fired Shirelli, but Bob Nicholson admitted that it was more than him making that decision. So here we are. All like There was nobody that thought, and you've talked about it, so proof. There's nobody in the MSM media, fans, or anybody that saw any logic. So how are we as fans supposed to have hope? And my angst isn't against you guys. You guys do a great job. You're feeling the pain, too. But how are we supposed to have hope? that this team is going to do anything in the next five, ten years before Connor McDavid retires or gets injured or whatever, that, that if the guys that are still there now, and I'm not talking OBC, I'm not an OBC kind of guy. I don't hate Lowe and them and McTavish. You know, I love watching those guys play, and I'm not going to say they're good or bad. I'm just saying that whoever is left making decisions, there's either two options. Either they said they went to Peter and they said, hey, I don't agree with this. I don't think you should do it, but you're the boss. You do what you want to do. I'm just letting you know I don't agree with it. Or... They sat there and they said, yeah, that's a good idea. And then Peter got fired, and they're still sitting there, and those guys that thought it was a good idea are still there. That's the point. Well, like, Mike, Mike, I'm going I'm to jump in there. Th- thanks for calling. W- the pro scouts looked at the goalies who were free agents in the summer, and other than Bobrovsky, who the Oilers wouldn't be able to get, they didn't think there was anybody obviously better than costing you can go on a site like cap friendly yourself and look at all the all the free agent goalies did they overpay probably oh for, but yes the timing yeah. i mean you you likely had to have one of Koskinen or talbot sign you couldn't go into the summer without a goalie so but if you could have they waited well especially if you're firing the gm at that point if you find the gm well don't sign anyone and then start to decide where you're going yeah. forward so that yeah, i mean the yeah timing is you're absolutely right. The, the caller's absolutely right. I mean, on one, one, goalie, one of these two goalies was going to get some sort of an extension, and it was going to make some fans unhappy if they mm-hmm. didn't like that goalie. I just, to me, it was the term. 
I mean, and to, me, the you come, you, to me, you come out the morning of the trade deadline with a press release and say we're happy to announce goalie A yes. has signed a contract extension and goalie well, B has been traded to this team for this person be, because or draft pick. During the between now and the trade deadline, I mean, they weren't they couldn't go anywhere. Like we controlled where they go, so it's not right. like if you don't sign them between now and the, the trade deadline, oh, you know, he might leave because he didn't get his contract. I agree completely with the yeah, caller. I mean, what if Talbot had come out of the All Star break and gone? Four and one with mm-hmm. three shutouts, and he and was then, he had the opportunity because he played he four or five more. Yeah. Yep. All right. Oilers lose three one. Here is head coach Ken Hitchcock. Lots of chances, just trying to find that finisher on the net a little bit more. Well, I don't, you know, we played better tonight than we even did against Pittsburgh, and you know, came down to a missed two on one one way and a got two on one the other game the, the other way. I don't want to tell you, you know, you, you have this many scoring chances, you work this hard, you expect a better reward for it. He plays really good against You wonder why he's a backup. I mean, he's... Yeah, I, I thought if we were guilty of one thing, we shot a lot of pucks right at him, but... No second no. I don't know. There was enough. There was enough chances to for six hockey games for us today. So I don't know. All you can do is just keep battling. Just keep playing hard. Keep battling, and you hope that you get rewarded for this type of good player. I mean, this is this is as well as we played for a long period of time. We just got to keep going. We can't feel sorry for ourselves. We got to keep building on this stuff. It's going to be a tough game tomorrow, and you know that. What am I going to say? Like. Can't, can't expect, uh, we're not going to give much more than we gave right now, and we still only scoring one goal. You could use a goal, however, from somebody. Well, I think it's a lot of it, but I think it's more chasing the game. We're chasing the game too much, and we're getting down early in games, or we're chasing the game halfway through, and that takes, that takes a lot of energy out of you, and I think, you know, I think if we got a lead, we might be able to be even better, but we're chasing games a little bit too much, and then that puts a lot of pressure on, on, on playing one line. And I thought again today that the line was excellent, but we made a tired mistake at the end on the 3-1 goal. All right, that's Ken Hitchcock. 3-1 Carolina is the final. Leon Dreisaitl for the second straight game, the only Edmonton goal. He's now up to 34 on the season. We have Colin on line four. Hey, Colin. Yeah, hey. I was uh, actually want to talk about Bakersfield. Uh, 13 in a row right now, right? Yeah, and it's 2-2 after the first period tonight against Ontario. Okay, so uh, who's who's holding down the net down there? Is that Skinner? No, uh, Shane Sturette's been the goaltender most of these games, which is kind of uh, unexpected. He would have been lower on the Oilers' yeah. you know, yeah, depth I was chart actually coming into the season. expecting it to be Skinner because he had a really good run through the, the World Juniors. <laughs> yeah, Sturette's been, been the goalie, but I think longer term... The longer-term prospect for Edmonton is is Stuart Skinner. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, because that's 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 what I think I, we need. We got two C goalies, and you need at least one one of them to be an A. Oh, for sure. If you get yep. into the playoff, A gives you a chance to win it. Yeah. Thanks, Colin. And and uh, look, we don't really know what Skinner's going to be. He's he's probably a few years away from being in the NHL. But it is a pretty amazing run for uh, Bakersfield. We'll update the scoreboard for Advantage Trailer Rentals with daily, weekly, monthly, and rent-to-own options. Head to AdvantageTrailerRentals.com. I mentioned 2-2 Bakersfield and Ontario after the first period. The Oil Kings are beaten tonight 4 nothing 
by Regina. And in the NHL, Bruins lead the Ducks 1-0 after 1. The Rangers take down the Sabres 6-2. And with nine minutes left, the Wild lead the Devils 4-3 if Minnesota wins eight points out of a playoff spot for the Edmonton Oilers. And, uh, well, whether it's six or eight, it's pretty difficult either way. I mean, they got 25 games left. Then we're still sitting here saying you got to win 17 or 18. That uh, they have not shown they can go on that type of a run. They're, they're running out of games is what they're doing. Uh, if there's any positive, I mean, Minnesota was up 4-1 about half an hour ago. So Jersey is making a push. But there's a lot of teams right now between the Edmonton Oilers in a playoff spot. Yeah, I mean, it's a big... And the Oilers aren't... I mean, they're not even scratching out points. Well, the, the, the thing that is... I mean, they, they have four points in their last ten games. Yeah, and what worries you right now is the Oilers aren't getting rewarded for games they play well in. And you know at some point the Oilers are going to have a game that's not as good. And we saw that. They just did on home ice. So they're not going to get points out of those. So you need to get points out of games that you deserve to win. And if you're not... Well, all of a sudden, that road becomes that much longer. All right, 41 shots for the Edmonton Oilers tonight, but Curtis McElhinney again stymies the Oilers. He makes 40 saves. He is 7-0 in his career against the Oilers. Pretty amazing stat. We're going to get to Brian when we get back. If you are are on hold, we'll get you in. 780-496-0063. Brian's also going to finish the play. Oilers Hockey, presented by Osmond Auction, along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. We're back after the news with more Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 6.30 chair. For Fogle, back behind the net, Manolin comes out of the right corner, looks for the trailer, instead out to the high slot. Calvin DeHaan's open in front. Trevor Van Riemsdyk denied by Miko Koskinen. Big save right there. Save of the game for Jiffy Lube. Get winter ready at jiffylubeservice.ca. Miko Koskinen with 24 saves, but the story of the guy at the other end, Curtis McElhinney, 40 stops and the Hurricanes beat the Oilers 3-1. It was 2-1 Carolina, 2-16 into the game. Looked wild early, but no goal again until Niederreiter scored his second of the night with 3.37 to go, and that was it tonight. Dreisaitl, the only goal for Edmonton. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. We'll go to Brian on the open line. Hey, Brian. Hey, Reed. How you doing? Good. So, close to no cigar again tonight. But, you know, I still like what's happening. I'm still confident. You're not going to catch me uh, falling off the bandwagon yet. It, you know, the bat lady's not singing. What, one question I wanted to ask you and Rob, though, was um, as far as line combinations. Now, with McDavid, you know, virtually they've tried everybody. And at times, everybody has worked. Having said that, uh, you know, the most successful, obviously, is with Dreisaitl, and probably the second most successful was with Hopkins. One thing that I don't think they've ever tried, and I could be wrong, uh, is why haven't they tried Hopkins with Dreisaitl? That's... I mean, we know that McDavid can definitely run, you know, any line with almost anybody, mm-hmm. you know, just, just like Gretzky did. And I think Hopkins has shown... You know the you know the growth that he's done in you know in his years in the, with the Oilers and that and he he's got this hockey smarts he can pass just like Drysaddle can they can both shoot I think it would be a good marriage 
I, you know, I agree. And that's something that Reed and I talked about. I think it was December when we were talking about changing lines. And the, my example was in Pittsburgh. There's three superstars there up front, Kessel, Malkin, and Crosby. Crosby doesn't play with either of the other two. Malkin plays with Kessel, and Crosby can run a line by himself. And to, again, it doesn't matter who you put with Sidney Crosby, he's going to make them better. Uh, that is an option here, yeah. Have, have Connor McDavid play with two wingers and have Nugent Hopkins and Dreisaitl play together, and you should have two lines that are capable of, of producing. So that is a great a great suggestion and possibly something that we will see in the future. All right, we're going to finish the play with Brian. We're hoping to put your name into the grand prize draw for a one-hour rental at Fast Track Indoor Karting. Safe, adrenaline-pumping fun. FastTrackKartingEdmonton.com. It's Pooley-Yarby, threw it on net, save McElhaney, rebound, Colby Cave, 20 seconds away, in front, backhander. Uh, chance for Ty Ratty, goal or no goal? Uh, no goal. It's Pooley-Yarby, threw it on net, save McElhaney, rebound, Colby Cave, 20 seconds away, in front, backhander to save McElhaney, protecting that near post on Ty Ratty. Yeah, McElhaney, 40 stops, Leon Dreisaitl, the only oiler to score tonight, 3-1 Carolina wins the game. We will welcome Rick on the open line. Hello, Rick. Hey, gents. How are you? You know what? I'm going to be a bit of a realist here and maybe take this into a path that nobody wants to talk about in Edmonton. Um, I'll preface this by saying I'm an Albertan by by birth, and I moved out a number of years ago when I got older, but I know Edmonton like the back of my hand for all my years of being there. I, I don't think the issue is is anything more than psychological and really the only way I think that Edmonton's ever going to get a good team that's going to play in there is move the team the hell out of Edmonton. Uh, at the end of the day, you've got to look at the psychology now of the players that are playing. You've got youthful people who have an entirely different look towards life than what the old the old guard used to be when the Oilers were in their heyday. Um, they're making a hell of a lot of money nowadays just as base salary. They're... Edmonton is not it's not a great city when uh, when the weather changes and you get Rick, winter onwards. Rick, the uh, Oilers, the, there's a thirty well. there's a thirty five year agreement with the new arena for the Oilers to stay in Edmonton. So oh, that, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not years. disagreeing with you. I mean, they're they're never going to leave. Well, no, you, you can't disagree with what I said. It's a fact. So well, the team's okay. not leaving. The team's not but leaving. But at the end of the day, you're never going to have a team there. There's you're ne- you have been Edmonton is arguably the worst team in the NHL historically. I mean. You guys have missed the playoffs. Sure, but um, they can't move the team, Rick. They can't. Move I, I know the that. But okay, then what, why why are you bringing this up? Let's talk about facts. Okay. Do you have anything possible to talk Edmonton. about? You can bring in whoever you want. You guys have had the greatest draft picks for ages, and when the players finally move, they start picking up. It's a psychological thing. People don't like to be in Edmonton, and you got to get used to being at the bottom of the well, league okay. for a long time because okay. not. I understand. I understand what you're saying, but I, I've been to a lot. I've been to every city in the National Hockey League. I like Edmonton better than Winnipeg. Winnipeg's having success. I like Edmonton better than Buffalo. Buffalo is having more success than the Edmonton Oilers. I like Edmonton better than Detroit, and Detroit's had a ton of success in the National Hockey League. Uh, agreed, but look how close those cities are to other big venues. I, I mean, uh, Winnipeg's, Winnipeg's not close. Okay. Okay. Winnipeg's Rick, not close. Rick, Rick, with all due respect, I'm not going to debate you about something that isn't possible. Okay, I do appreciate your call, though. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Let's go back to Carolina. Here's Oilers captain Connor McDavid. For better to play, played pretty well. But not enough goals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, whatever. Like, we're generating chances. Uh, we're plays. We're just not finding a way to, to, to score. Um, you know, not much else I could say. A crazy start. Three goals in, like, the first five shots in the game and then nothing until the end. And you guys are pounding away. Yeah. Um, fight. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's not a good start, obviously, but you know, I thought we did a good job responding. Um, and they get the second one, and, and that's the way the game goes the rest of the night. Um, it's funny how it works sometimes. McElhaney is by and large been a backup goalie, but it's got your guys' number. I think he's seven. <laughs> I remember. Uh, I remember last year we played in Toronto. I don't know if we've ever had as many chances in that game than than uh, than that. And, and he stood on his head. They won one nothing. Um, Tonight, same type of thing. You know, we probably had 39 saves, 40 saves. Um, Wonder credit, credit, credit to him. Um, he's a good goalie. I think he's a UFA after this season. Based on your team. Do you? I mean, I know it's awfully deep in the year and where you are in the standings. I guess it's hard to take consolation out of knowing you stuck with the game for 60 minutes and got 40 shots on that team. Yeah, I mean, I know you're not looking for consolation now, but that's something. Um, we've been looking. I mean, we've been we've been doing that, that type of thing since the break. Um, mine is probably one game, um, one or two games where you know we, we come and we play the right way and, and we're doing the right things. Just can't seem to find a balance and um, you know ha- having a lot of shots and creating chances and stuff like that. And, only gets you so far. Chase had a good game tonight. He way more shots than Alex than, than he normally gets. He was great. Yeah, he, he, he was good. He was good. And he, he, he created chances himself and was on the receiving end on a couple good chances and, um, you know, pounded away. But sometimes it just doesn't go in for you. Um, I thought that whole Nuge line was good. All right, that's Connor McDavid. He is... Held off the score sheet tonight. The only goal, Dreisaitl from Cassie, and Oilers lose 3-1 to the Hurricanes. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. We have Garrett on line two. Good evening, Garrett. How's it going, Reed? Good. Uh, I just got a few questions for you. One about Alex Chase. Or what do you think they do with him at the deadline? With him, he hasn't. He still hasn't scored. He scored one goal in 17 games. Do you think they hold on to him or ship him off to try to get an asset back? I think uh, they'll shop him. Or, or the other option is you sign him. You sign him before the deadline, and then that does, that takes care of one of the winger problems that you have for next year. But those are your options: you either either trade him or you sign him. Or my my that's my thought. What do you guys think would be a good uh, contract for him? Uh, honestly, I'm not good at contracts. Yeah, that I. I mean, he's got 17 goals. He hasn't scored. What's he up to now? 14 games. I mean, he's he he's more of a depth player. That is smart enough, I think, to move up if you need somebody to. Uh, I I would not go above two million myself. That's probably max. I agree. But he might say, "Well, I had this scoring burst, so I'm gonna maybe look around to see where I can go." It all depends. With if he gets term, if he gets longer years, I think he would take less money and. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Okay, and then just, uh, just about Cam Talbot with all the rumors of him going to Philly. What do you think we'd get back? We'd have to take a goalie back, so. Like, Brian eh, Elliott, Stollers, or that McKenna guy that keeps getting traded, what do you think we could get with them? Like, what kind of pick would be an equal value? We wouldn't oh, get a whole lot. It would be, like, the rumor is straight across for Elliott. Yeah, they're not giving a whole lot for, for Cam Talbot. Because the Oilers need cap space, too, to activate Sekera. So I don't think they'd get anything additional for that, for him. 
Okay, thanks, guys. Okay, thanks, night. Garrett. I think we I think we disappointed Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> well, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three three one. Oilers lose to the uh, Hurricanes tonight. Uh, they go zero for three on the power play. Carolina goes zero for two. Actually, Robin, the Oilers had two great chances while shorthanded in the first period. Well, there's a number of times in this game where you could have said, had the Oilers capitalized on a chance, the game would have changed. And the the one that you just talked about, the Oilers have a two-on-one with the puck on Connor McDavid's stick, which usually turns into a goal while they were shorthanded. And then immediately following that, they had Alex Chase on with a breakaway while shorthanded. Nice save by McElhaney on that. Either one of those times, the Oilers scores, it's a tie game, and momentum switch, switches over to the Oilers' side. So uh, a number of great chances tonight that the Oilers didn't capitalize on. And at the end of the night, there's going to be a lot of guys thinking what could have been had I put the puck in the net. Yeah, Chase on fired that one time or two in the second period. Good Great. play by Nuge. Yeah, couldn't fantastic. quite finish it. McElhinney got across. Raddy was set up in front from McDavid. Just couldn't quite lift it. I mean, the Oilers had a lot of couldn't quites, mm-hmm. or McElhinney just got in the right spot to make the save. Well, they had the puck on the stick of the wrong guys, unfortunately. And there's right now, there's only three guys that you would consider the right guy to have the puck in a scoring situation. We will go to Levi on the open line. Hi, Levi. Hey, guys. Um... I just wanted to talk about, I didn't get to watch much of tonight's game, but uh, what I did see, and it was the same as the night before, so Nugent Hopkins gets crushed by Jack Johnson, and um, nothing was really done. You could see that Nugent's pretty disappointed. Like, just he looked at the guy who run him over anyways. And then fast forward to tonight, where um, Nino takes that run at Oscar Clefbaum, right? Like, the boys on that team must just, like, love Oscar. You know, it should be like a family. And but nothing is nothing at all is but it, done But on the, um, it, the others need points, and I know. Oscar wasn't hurt. Nuge wasn't hurt. Hitting's part of hockey, so they don't want someone to go ahead and fight, take a dumb penalty. The others no. got the power play on the one tonight, and that's yeah, that's how you make a team pay. So uh, the others are not in a position right now where they can go get retribution for something they think is offside because the others are so yeah. desperate for points. For sure, but um, Rob, like with teams you played on, like if. Like, even new today, Martinook was doing those little jabs on him. Like, if someone would have done that to you, Rob, I believe Kevin Stevens would have just gave him a cuff and said, you're, hey, like, yeah, smarten up. Yeah, you're right. Different different era, though. Yeah, I mean, just watch any team any around the league. It, it's They're just, they don't, the teams don't play that way anymore. It's completely out of the game nowadays. 9-17, Oilers lose 3-1 to the Hurricanes. The Bakersfield Condors have scored four goals in the first 557. Mm-hmm of the second period to go up 6-2 on the Ontario Reign. Now 11 minutes left in the period for the... Uh, actually, Ontario led this game 2-0. Patrick Russell scored twice in the first period. Marodi, Yamamoto, Stanton, and Curry. Part of that outburst for the Condors. So they are all of a sudden looking good to get number 14 in a row. Minnesota led a 4-1 lead slip away against New Jersey. It's now 4-4 in overtime. So the Oilers are seven points out of a playoff spot. Could stay at seven, could be eight, depending on the outcome of that game. We'll go to Greg. Greg, were you at the game tonight? Yeah, I was at the at the game tonight. It was, uh, it was an in- interesting uh, vibe. A lot different from Rexall, or Rogers now, I guess. Um, different Different crowd, a lot more kids. Um, it's a little cheesy, but they they got a lot of little set bits that kind of get the crowd involved in the game. You're talking about the uh, the celebration and all that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, it's, but it's. We, I think. Uh, I think the story keeps being the celebration, but even they're 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 in game for the for the whole. Uh, oh, I see. Okay. Game is, they got a, a, a number of set pieces that uh, the crowd responds to, and you get everybody in the building is behind it. A very very different than the, the tomb that Rogers often is. No, you're right. Well, that's if you ever go to a basketball in, game in the states, it's like that too. They have all kinds of things to entertain the fans. I think it's great. Do whatever you can. I mean, you pay your money, go there, be entertained, whether it be on the ice or in the stands. How many games have you been to there, Greg? Uh, this is the first the first one. It was marked on my my calendar. I'm living about uh, three and a half hours from Raleigh, so uh, and I generally went to eight to ten Oilers games yep. over the last probably ten years. Okay, cool. Back in Edmonton. Oh, nice. Okay. Cool. Well, I appreciate that, Greg. Thanks for listening and thanks for calling. Have a good night. Devils win in overtime. So Minnesota has to settle for a single point, uh, seven points out for the Oilers here with 25 games left in the season. That is a big loss for the Minnesota Wild, not just against for yeah, Edmonton. Yeah, I mean, no, regardless of who's the, chasing Minnesota, that's... That's a huge... They had a 4-1 lead on home ice and they lose 5-4 to a terrible New Jersey team. Big time loss for the Minnesota Wild. Their coach came out and said, guarantee. guaranteeing that they're getting in. I'm, well, I mean, if you well, look Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, again, wins in their last 10 games. Uh, four for Minnesota, four for Vancouver, two for Colorado, eight for Chicago, mm-hmm. four for Arizona, one for Edmonton, three for Anaheim. Chicago's now only two game, two point, or three points, three points behind. Yep. With one, they played one extra game. But the Chicago Blackhawks, of, those, of all those teams... I mean, they're a team that has been there before. But we've seen this for a while. I mean, so St. Louis had a run and now has jumped ahead of everybody. Yeah, St. Louis was always going to be a playoff There's team. There's been six or seven teams fighting for the last playoff spot, and most days when you look at the NHL standings, either all of them or all of them except for one has had four wins or less in their last mm-hmm. ten. Yep, no, it's, and sometimes they're playing each other there's several some, times. There, there's, some just, bad, there's some bad teams battling for a playoff spot. Yeah. We have Dan on line three. Go ahead, Dan. How are you tonight, guys? Good. Good. Hey, uh, I want to respond to, uh, I believe it was Rick that was uh, uh, commenting on the moving the Oilers, and I, and I think we all know that ain't happening. I mean, there's a 35-year yep. agreement. However, you can, you can see the frustration, and you can hear the frustration in the fans. Realistically, if we want to affect some change in Edmonton, I mean, this Edmonton is uh, hockey in general is a business. That Edmonton is a very good uh, business venture for an owner. I mean, it's been what five hundred or more straight uh-huh. sellout crowds. You want to make some changes? Maybe put less bums in the seat. Start maybe lifting the eyebrows of the owner a little bit, saying, "Hey, we got we got to do something here. That the, the product isn't. The fans aren't coming out and supporting this. Uh, it's really up to the fan. As long as we continue to support this hockey club, realistically." What what would what would uh, encourage somebody like Daryl Keats to want to to change things anymore? I mean, really, at the bottom line for him is is making money, and he is making money right now. Uh, and, and, but when you start affecting his pocketbook, uh, that I believe is the only way we're going to see change in Edmonton. Well, Dan, I think you make a good point, and people have called us before this season, and I I know I have uh, buddies who have had season tickets. I, I I don't roll with people who own suites, but I have hmm. heard from people who have just said... Actually, I, I know somebody that already didn't renew, 
and I and we and we've had people call in and say they weren't going to renew or were thinking about not renewing. You're right, but the the thing the thing too is Dan, and I and I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm just going to make an additional point. If if you own well, any business owner should want to make money. You know how you can make even more money? Have playoff revenue, right? Like that's that's another thing yeah. to remember too. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. The fans can you can vote with your dollar. And, you know, as an owner, you should also want to make the playoffs because there is a whole bunch more revenue you get through the gate and, and people buying merchandise and all that kind of stuff. What uh, <clears throat> We turn the clock back back to the Bob Nicholson days when he first came in uh, uh, and hired Shirelli. If we look back on it, we had Nugent Hopkins, we had Hall, we had Everly. I believe we had Bryce Heidel and we were gifted McDavid. Yep. All now, true. All today, true. now, today, here we are saying we have no depth scoring on the wings. Well, yep. well, that, Dan, that's why he was fired. I mean, I don't want to jump all over his grave over but, and over but, again. But, but who, in my opinion, I don't believe Peter Shirelli uh, was the guy who was making the final decision, and that was it. Uh, was you know, he was. He, he might have got input, input, but he input, was making but, he was making the final decision. I think he made. I think he had a lot of. I mean, yeah, other people would have given input. Final, I mean, obviously, he's getting advice. Scouts have advice. But I think if you take a position like that, then, you know, a lot falls on your lap, Dan. But I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I mean, they got, they got to hire the right people, and they haven't been able to do that for a long time. Thanks for calling, man. Just one more thing. Maybe the right person would be uh, a guy like, a, not necessarily Cal Nichols, but somebody like that who's got good, sound business sense that actually runs us like a business, puts the right people in place and encourages them to make the right decisions. Because right now it just looks like Daryl Cates just lets, lets his management group do whatever they want. And realistically, uh, you know, it's still the same bunch of people, minus Peter Shirelli, that are still involved in this whole thing that's been going on for the last several years. Right. Yeah, thanks, Dan. We hear, we hear a lot of that for sure. I mean, Shirelli... I mean, we can debate this all night. Shirelli did do a lot of his own thing. He did bring in a lot of his own skill. I mean, he fired Stu McGregor. Mm-hmm. We used to get a lot of people saying they got to get rid of Stu McGregor. Well, they got rid of Stu McGregor. Oh, there's. Uh, if you go through the, the, the scouts, the pro scouts, amateur scouts, assistant GMs, they're all people that Peter Shirelli brought in. Yes, but I understand when you employ uh, former players or people who were managers in other teams, like Scott Housen, who was a general manager, and then you, he comes back to the Oilers and the team is still doing poorly, absolutely, you can question why those people are employed. Absolutely. Okay, uh, we'll get to, you know what? Let's do a break here, Kellen. Let's do a, a four-minute break till the news, and then we'll come back out of the news. We'll get to more of your calls when we get back. Oilers lose 3-1 to the Hurricanes. Oilers Hockey presented by Osmond Auction. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Final score tonight, Carolina Hurricanes 3, Edmonton Oilers 1. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Leon Dreisaitl getting the Oilers' only goal. He is up to 34 on the season, but as has often been the case, not a lot of 
offense for the Oilers. Not a lot of finish, I guess you should say, from uh, other parts of the lineup. They get 41 shots, but Curtis McElhinney makes 40 saves. The Oilers have had 80 shots in their last two games, just two goals, and Dreisaitl has both of them. They play the Islanders tomorrow. Rob, what's the adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors? If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. Score. <laughs> that's, that's a good adjustment. Seriously, more than one goal. Because uh, they they're doing all the other things right. Um, they've given up what five goals in the last two games? Is that what it is? They, well, one, yeah, with an empty net. Goals, so yeah. I mean, they're playing better defensively. They're not giving up any cha- as many chances. They're out shooting their opposition. They just can't score. They need to score tomorrow. All right, we have Mike at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Hello, Mike. Hello there. How are you, how are you guys today? Good. Hey, I got a couple questions for you guys. Uh, first of all, um, I was trying to find on the internet, is there rumors going around about Hitchcock maybe leaving? Well, there were reports on the weekend that he may have said he was going to step down or discuss stepping down. Is that, uh, mostly, be, is that mostly because of the way the uh, fans and everything have been? And it's Well, no, I think no, it's I because think they've so. won six of their last <laughs> 25 games now, or six of their last 24 games. Well, he's got to realize it's not his fault, though. I don't think it's his fault. Yeah. Um, um, my second I mean, I, question. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I heard it. Sure. He didn't. He's the coach, so. Yeah. My second question is: Is there's been also rumors about Taylor Hall possibly coming back? Is no, there I, any? I haven't. Heard I've that. never heard that. Oh, okay. That's just what. And I've been I don't. Hearing. And I do not think that's even a an inkling of a possibility of that happening. They can't afford. Really? Well, they we couldn't probably afford couldn't him. afford him. Well, can't afford him, and we'd have to. What would we have to give up to get him? Yeah, that's true. Okay, that's all I had to ask. Okay. Thanks. Have a great night, you guys. Thank All you. Right. Uh, Mark Spector from Sportsnet uh, tweeting out, he said his column is still coming. He's interviewed Marcus Leto, the agent for Jesse Pugliarvi. And uh, one of the quotes, are we reaching the point for the team and for the player? It might be actually beneficial for going different paths, different routes. I don't know. If you trade Jesse Puliarvi, you will not get a lot back right now. No, no, and the way he's played, he wouldn't. Get, I don't know if he get much more ice time anywhere else. But I mean, that's the agent's job is to try and find what's best for his client. Well, right I mean, now Cassian his had the. Yeah, it, it happens all the time. Normally, you like to keep it in house. You don't want it to be made public. Um, but Jesse Puliarvi needs to play better to get more ice time. We'll go to Phil on the open line. Hey, Phil. Read Rob. Listeners, you know what? When the uh, Sharks were here in Edmonton, the last home game where we lost, you know what? We didn't expect to win that game. At the end of the game, everybody was dumping on the orders because they lost. At the beginning of this game, we listened to Bob Stoffer. Yeah, sounded like the pretty much Carolina had it in the bag. At the end of the at the end of the game, we lost. But you know what? We played sixty minutes of damn good hockey. We had lots and lots of chances. A month and a half ago, we were saying, oh, guys like Reader, they're not even getting any looks. Guys like Pugliarvi, they're not getting any looks. We're we're getting a lot of good looks. We ran into one hot goaltender tonight. If it hadn't been for that, we would have won this game. A game that we shouldn't have won. Right? I listened to what Conor McDavid had to say tonight. I heard what Connor said at, just before the break. Remember what he said? He said, you know what? Nobody believes in us. 
but we have to believe in ourselves in that dressing room. And that's what we've seen since the break is slow, progressive improvement in the game, in the attitude. Uh, we're not getting the W columns, but we keep doing what we're doing, and those W's will come. All right, Phil. Well, I hope you're right. Thanks, man. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Oilers lose three one to Carolina tonight. We'll go to Cam on line six. Hey, Cam. How you guys doing? Good. Just a quick question. I'll be disappointed if they trade uh, Cassian. Eh? What do you guys think? Um, I don't. I mean, he's got another year left on his contract, so I, I don't see him being traded. But then there's been a lot of talking last I think a couple of weeks now, and he's got points, right? Uh, he's he's played better the last last three weeks. He's played very well. Yes, I I, I don't see him being. Because you're kind of critical about him. I've been hearing you like once in a while saying that he should be doing this and should be doing that. Well, I mean, he he had a stretch of about 35 games where he yeah. didn't play very well at all. He's played he's played better as of late. He certainly you know, has. But I I don't uh, see him being traded. And like Kajula too, you know, he had some points too, and they trade him. So what do they get when when they trade these guys that that? We've got a few points because who's going to come back and get these points after once you get traded? Well, that's yeah, that's why the you know, that's why the Kajula trade was criticized, and that's part of the reason Peter Shirelli lost his job for sure. All right, we will go to Terry on line two. Hey, Terry. Rob Reed, it's hard to be an optimist in a sea of despair. You know, I keep hearing about how the Oilers have backed up against the salary cap. You know, and I'm just sitting there looking at the roster. Reader, Cave, Raddy, Malone, Pajarvi, Kara, Brozjek, Manning, Nurse. I'm sitting there thinking, are you kidding me? These guys are pressing the salary cap? You know? Um, and, I, and also, I'll take it one step further. You know, Cassian's maybe had, had a, kind of a rough go. He seems to be coming around a little bit. So is Nurse a little bit, to be fair. But I'm sitting there looking at Lucic. And, you know, I. I he has a no-move uh, uh, contract. Can't you send that guy down to the minors? No, no-move contract means no-move. He has to play on the NHL team. Oh, God, you know, it's too bad. You know, you couldn't just send the guy down to the minors, embarrass him or something, so he quit. He hasn't got it anymore. All right, Terry. I, I don't think he's going to quit with another, what has he got left, $42 million on the table or... 36? I don't uh, know. What's he got? No, no. it'd be what, 24 million. 24 after this yeah, year. Yeah, I don't think I'd quit for 24 yeah, I, don't, I don't think he's going to I'd play in the minors for 24 million. Yeah, but I don't think that's his preference either. No, but 24 million will get you. It's, it, that'll get you a lot in Bakersfield. That would. You could probably get a two bedroom apartment. <laughs> on the ocean? Is it on the ocean, Bakersfield? No, it's inland a bit. Oh, see. Well, actually, he'd, he'd commute. You could, yeah, you could drive. You could just get a driver. If you, if you had that much money, you could, in Vegas, you could afford public transit. You know what you would you do? Could, you could get a bus pass. I, yeah, I got a buddy who actually Uber helicopter. Did you know you could Uber helicopter? Now I do. Yeah, and my buddy's done that. He said he stopped at an airport and he went to get an Uber cab and Uber helicopter came up and said, you know what? Why not? So he Uber helicoptered. So there you go. Had that. How much Neither did, did I. Cost? He said it was only like 600 bucks. <laughs> Where did he go? Uh, he, well, he was over in Europe. He was in Europe when he did it. So, oh, so I'm like, I want, I want an Uber helicopter now. Uber app right now. Well, I don't know if there's any in Edmonton, and it might be a little cold for the helicopters to go up in the air right now. Fair point. And Milan Lucic isn't going anywhere. We have Brian on line four. Hey, Brian. Oh, not bad. Uh, how are you guys doing? Wonderful. Uh, another game where uh, we got the uh, the opposition got the first goal. Yes. 
Last year, the uh, the, uh, the Oilers uh, won 14, lost 29, and two other ones. 45 games that the, the opposition got their first goal. Yep. How are they doing this year? Any better? Uh, I can tell you. Okay. I have stats. Hang on. I'm going to go out on a limb without looking at the stats. Probably not, no. Opponent so. scoring first. The Oilers are now 9, 18, and 3. Wow. That's pretty good. <laughs> that think, sounded like sarcasm. I think you're being sarcastic, Brian. I think he's being facetious. Do you no. know how many times they scored the first goal the year they made the playoffs? I do. How many? 41, exactly half. Oh, and they allowed the first goal exactly 41 times, obviously. Okay, I, but yes, I, I, they I fall behind way too often and by way too much. Yeah. Okay, thanks for your time. Okay, appreciate it, Brian. We'll take a quick timeout. It's 9.41. Oilers lose 3-1 to the Hurricanes. They allowed two goals in the first 2.16 tonight. They also got one, but that was all they had. Carolina got a late one to seal it. Oilers hockey presented by Osmond Auction. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Austin Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 630 chair. The Oilers sink to 24-28-5 on the season. They're 1-7-2 in their last 10. The final tonight, Carolina 3, Edmonton 1. Nino Niederreiter with two goals. Lucas Walmark also scored. Dreisaitl got his 34th. McElhenney 7-0 in his career against the Oilers. He makes 40 saves. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Hey, for most people, it's a long weekend. It's the Friday of a long weekend. It is. I'm looking forward to family day. Well, that's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tom on line five. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah, just a little bit curious uh, what you guys think if the Oilers get the first overall pick and uh, Jack, Hughes. Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes. Yeah. What do you think? Um, you know what I mean? They get him, and I don't know. You got Connor McDavid and you got Jack Hughes. I, I don't know what you can be mad about if you're a fan base, but at the same time, you don't know, have oh, the league. <laughs> I'd know what they can be mad about. They've already had several number one picks that haven't yeah, got but, much better, except for one yeah, year. But it's Jack Hughes, right? And uh, comparison to Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid, it, it, it's going to be tough to mess that one up. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. Did you have uh, February 15th for our first draft lottery phone call? Um, no, in the pool? not this year. I thought this year would be a little later in the year before we'd hear that. But I haven't even studied the draft. I have no idea. I have heard of Jack Hughes, and I think it's a Finnish kid. That's it's a local kid two. that could go high. Kirby there's, Doc. There's a bunch of yeah. And there's uh, Krebs is another kid from Alberta that uh, is a very good hockey right, player. Yeah, he plays for Kootenai. Yeah, and then there's, I thought there was a third kid too. That's uh, another Albertan kid. Well, Dylan Cousins is playing for Lethbridge. Is that who you're thinking of? No, there was a, a different guy. My memory's not very good anymore. Okay. But I can't remember I now. forgive you, Rob. Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Go to Marty on line three. Hey, Marty. I'd just like to say right now that Dylan Cousins, I just heard you mention that name. Yep. Definitely a UConn boy. Got to take him. He's a great kid. But but my whole reasoning is here that I want to get off is uh, I know Edmonton doesn't get the opportunity ever to get the good opportunity because nobody wants to go to Edmonton. And I want to reach back and I want to tell you guys, what do you guys think 
how can you guys change up? Well, uh, Marty, I don't agree with you. The, Milan Lucic, the summer he signed, other teams were looking at him. Other teams were looking at Andre Sekera. Those were, in those markets, those were relatively, well, those were highly sought after free agents those years. I, I don't think that's the problem right now. This this team was mismanaged. This team is up against the salary cap, and it uh, they've got players that have come come to Edmonton. They've drafted players. They brought players in. They've just brought the wrong players. So I don't think it has anything to do with players not wanting to come to Edmonton. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure that. Anybody in the whole league does not want to go to Edmonton for the fact, well, it's the coldest area in the whole league. And, and I will go against that right now because the, what players are trying to do is find success as hockey players. And if you look at the Edmonton Oilers and you got Connor McDavid and or Leon Dreisaitl as your centerman, if you're, a goal, if you're an all-star type of winger, you're going to want to come play with them because they're going to turn a 40-goal scorer into a 60. They're going to score a 20-goal scorer into a 40. A, def- a very good defenseman will want to come and run a power play that has those two on it. So Now, Marty, I, like, I think in some cases you're right. There have been players who said they don't want to play in mm-hmm. Edmonton for whatever reason or they don't want to play in a Canadian market because they don't want to put up with all, all the scrutiny. But, I mean, the Oilers have signed free agents. They have traded for... I mean, this summer they signed Kyle Brodziak. They signed Toby Reeder. They're not stars, but they came to Edmonton. They, they signed Mark Letestu. Um you know they have they have signed players. I, I don't. I mean, yes, some players have refused to come to Edmonton or wanted to leave. But I think Rob makes the point. Players players can refuse to go to a certain city. Doesn't mean that city should never have a good hockey team. It's mismanagement mainly that has put the Oilers mm-hmm. in this situation for a long, nope. long time. Nope, and I totally agree with that. I totally one hundred percent. And read it. Uh, I hope that we start getting some outside avenues coming in there. And you know what? That Dylan Cousins from the Yukon, I think, is a 100% awesome hockey player. And I would go for him in a heartbeat. Thank you, Marty. Appreciate Bo- it. Bowen Byram is the other Alberta kid that's a high draft. He's ranked number oh, six. Oh, he's with Vancouver. Yeah, I played with his father in the minors, and this kid is talented too. So Yeah. I knew there was another Alberta kid that was up there, so there's some pretty good Alberta players out there. Well, the Oilers right now would be picking top nine. With an top opportunity eight. to move up. Yeah, or down, because teams can jump you, right? Yeah, true. Well, they got pushed down the last couple of years. And they also, yeah, you're right. Mike calling in. Hello, Mike. Hello. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. How you guys doing? Yeah, good. What do you guys think about a Dreisaitl trade? I mean, I know that. No. The... I say no. Yeah, but just listen. Okay. Okay. You trade them. Say something like Colorado that needs another strong centerman, right? Mm-hmm. And you get back their first pick. Which is Ottawa's. Mm-hmm. Which would be number one. Well, possibly. Not for sure. Well, yeah, but... And then you get a good winger, like Jost. Well, Jost, Jost isn't Leon Dreisaitl. I like Jost as a hockey player. He's not Leon Dreisaitl. No, but he's a winger, right? True. Well, so is, Ray, so is Leon right now. <laughs> and then maybe Barry. Like, I, the Oilers aren't trading Leon Dreisaitl. They're not. Pardon? The, the Oilers aren't well, going to trade Leon Dreisaitl. 
They've only got three good players up front, and they're not going to trade well, one. Well, no, but well, we need more than three, bud. Well, you're right. You're right. Sure, but sure but if you bring Jost in and you five, lose Drysaitel, right? you're still at three. No, because you're getting Barry. He's a defenseman. He's a defenseman. He's not a forward. Dude, come on now. You just, no, you just told me we're trading Drysaitel for Barry and Jost. Well, that brings one for one for forwards. The Oilers only have three good forwards. And Hughes. Well, the, the Oilers aren't it's guaranteed. If they get pick. Colorado's pick, they aren't guaranteed Hughes. They don't get guaranteed the first pick overall. It goes on. Ottawa it, pick. Yeah, but it goes into a lotto. They get, I think it's a 25% chance that they get, that Ottawa gets first pick if that's. if. Yeah, if, but you know where, where we're going to finish in the standings, right? Right? Beside Ottawa, so. Well, that's yeah, it's possible, but it doesn't. Well, just because you have Ottawa's pick doesn't guarantee you first pick overall. It's a 25. There's a 75% no, chance that you're not getting first pick overall. But then, where are the standings, though, right? So if you were then Colorado, Mike, are you going to call a Colorado station and suggest this trade? Like, if you were the GM of the Colorado Avalanche, would you do that trade? Because if you're Colorado and you're going to get Ottawa's pick, you could keep all the guys you have and get Jack Hughes and have Barry and have Jost. Yeah, but it's dry saddles. He's got 34 fucking goals, I mean. Okay. That's enough for Mike. All right, uh, we got time for one more call. We have Bob standing by. Go ahead, Bob. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Uh, coaching staff, two questions. Uh, uh, regarding coaching staff, uh, maybe Robbie, mm-hmm. uh, you can answer this one. Um, did Hitch uh, lose a room when... Um, he made that comment. I, I, it's not still bread. Just comments like that might deflate the team. And the other is, um, would uh, Glenn Denning um, be, is that a possible, since Hitch is interim and seemingly had enough and you vice talk, versa? So when you say Glenn Denning, the, player, the hockey player from Detroit? No, uh, who coached in Calgary? Yeah. Oh, Gullickson. Oh, Glenn Gullickson. Gullickson, uh, thank you. Uh, um, go ahead, please. Uh, Gullickson, I, I w- on, in all honesty, I was surprised when Hitch came. I thought if Todd McClellan was going to get fired that I thought Glenn Gullickson would be the coach. I thought that's why he, they brought him in. So I was shocked that he didn't get the coaching job when Todd was fired. Did Hitch lose the room? Hitch is hard to play for. He, he, he He's hard on players. And these players didn't realize how uh, opposite Todd McClellan was to that. I, uh, I don't know if he lost the room, but I do know that he is very demanding, and uh, when things aren't going right, it's not a lot of fun. All right, we got to wind her down. We'll be back at 3.30 tomorrow afternoon for the face-off show. The game is at 5 as the Oilers visit the New York Islanders. Tonight, Carolina beats Edmonton 3-1. You can get more on 630chet.com. Thanks to our studio producer, Kellen Kennedy. Oilers Hockey, presented by Osmond Auction. You've been listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Have a great night. Cam Talbot has been traded to the Philadelphia Flyers. Anthony Stolar is the goaltender coming the other way. He's 25, has played 12 games for the Flyers this season. He's gone 4-3-3 with a 9.02 save percentage. Of course, uh, Talbot acquired by the Oilers in 2015, had that great season a couple of years ago. 
This year, he uh, was not the goaltender of choice for the Oilers as they gave Miko Koskinen a contract extension just before the All-Star break and the bye week. So Cam Talbot to Philadelphia, Anthony Stolarz coming to the Oilers.